Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, God, just for this awesome privilege that we have, Lord, to come together and worship you and learn of you and receive from you and give to you. And God, we don't take this lightly, but God, we count this as an honor, Lord, and a freedom, Father, and we just thank you for it today. God, we give you glory, give you honor. Holy Spirit, speak, breathe through your word today. God, thank you that it brings life to us, Father, and that we have ears to hear. God, I just pray over this congregation for ears to hear today, Lord, in Jesus' name. God, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 As we have been talking about the character of God or God's love or affections for us, as we continue in this, um, uh, I want you to go to 1 John chapter 4. Look at this. And there are principles within 1 John, I believe, that we can glean from in order for our revelation of God's love to become a mature revelation. See, there's a difference between saying, oh, yeah, I get that, and walking in what you get. And that really um, denotes maturity when we can walk in revelation that we've been given. A lot of times we get revelation, but we do nothing with it. A lot of times we, we hear something, oh, yeah, that's right, that's right, I hear that, that's right. Yeah, God loves me, that's right. Yeah, God wants me to do this, that's right. But it, it's a mature thing to walk in the revelation that you get. And really, 1 John sums that up and speaks of that. But as we look at 1 John, namely, um, I think like a verse around verse 17 through 19, um, we can glean some very specific principles to actually operating or walking in the love of God that's ours. So look at this. Verse 17 says, love has been perfected which means made mature or made strong. Love has been made mature. Love has been made strong among us in this, that, listen, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear Because fear involves torment. But he who fears, listen, has not been made perfect, or that phrasing means has matured, has not matured in love. We love him because he first loved us. Boy, that's just those few verses. It's just chock full of goodness. So important that we understand the love that God has for us. And we get it, you know. I I believe you're getting it if you haven't already gotten it that God loves you. Beyond theory and principle, but inside, you know, yeah, you know what? God loves me. And along with God's love comes his acceptance. And along with God's love, coupled with God's love, is his correction. And with God's love, really, the fullness of who we are is because of God's love. So we get it from a place of, yeah, I get that, I get that, that we can actually operate from the place of revelation that God loves me. This is who I am. Look at this. Principle number one, as we read this through 1 John four seventeen, The fear of judgment, Scripture tells us, 
Because you have to look at the scripture. It's talking about judgment and then it talks about fear. Those two are coupled together. It's a complete thought. Basically, in this, it's talking about fear. But, but, but specifically in this text, it's talking about fear of judgment. And it's so important to understand that. We're going to clear that up hopefully today. The fear of judgment involves torment. Therefore, we all close our hearts, don't we, when we fear being judged. Our hearts tend to be closed in all of our relationships, whether it's with God or with people. Where we sense or fear judgment, our hearts are closed. We guard our spirit when we feel judged. We guard our spirit when we feel condemned. And thus, we receive much less Um, from God when we worship him with a closed or guarded spirit. So we come together to worship God, but when there's a fear of judgment because of what happened last week or what happened last night or usually what tends to happen, and it's not a coincidence, right before service, we come in and there's this condemnation, this heaviness, this fear of judgment. And we wouldn't call it that, but really that's what it comes down to. It's a fear of being judged because of what you did. The fear of judgment in First John tells us involves torment. Principle number two, the finished work of the cross. This is so good. Gives us, gives you, gives me boldness in the day of judgment because we know that in the same way that Jesus is received before the Father, so also are we received before him. Because of what Jesus did, as Jesus is received before the Father, guess what? That's how we're received. I mean, this is not only true after we die. And go to be with him. But it's even true while we live in this world. Operating unfortunately too many times in our weakness. We're still received in the very same way. Therefore if anyone. 2 Corinthians 5 says this. If anyone is in Christ. If anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. Old things. Things. Oh God has there been old things. How many got some old things you say, I wish I could just get past that old thing. It's that old thing that, that the next day comes along and you go, okay, that thing's gone. But then it pops its head up. If you are in Christ, see, you receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus. The blood of Jesus has been applied to your life. And then it says, these old things have passed away. That is good news. And then it says, behold, all things have become new. Now, or because of this, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing or charging their sins or their trespasses to them. For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. Have you ever heard us talk about this scripture before? (laughs) Listen, he made him who knew no sin, not just to take our sin, that's huge, that he can take our sin, but scripture tells us to be our sin 
because it speaks of identity. It's that thing that we just talked about that used to define you. Boy, that's what I did. I was this. I committed adultery. I was a fornicator. I was in the list. Come on, the list that usually stands out, right? Sin is sin. Whether you're telling a lie or you're committing adultery, sin is sin. It's that thing that Scripture's talking about. But he became that thing so that thing would no longer pop its head up and try to define you anymore. That's good news, folks. That's why you're here today. You didn't know that, but that's why you're here. To get the revelation and understanding that Jesus took that thing that's drugged you down time and time again on the cross. He allowed that thing to define him so it would no longer define you. That's good. To be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So as Jesus was on this earth, never committing a sin, never doing anything wrong, you know, tempted in the same ways that that we are tempted, scripture tells us. That righteousness that was Jesus, that that Jesus embodied is now listen to me, regardless of what you do, is now who you are because of the exchange that takes place on the cross. That you're the righteousness of God. Principle number three, we're going to bring this all together here in a minute. There's no fear of being judged to those who have a revelation of God's love. Judgment is not a fear in revelation of God's love. If we read this in context, 1 John 4, 7, and it talks about beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God, right? It talks about the love of God, the revelation of the love of God, that we walk in the love of God. Fear of judgment is dealt with in a revelation of God's love and acceptance of you. There's no fear of being judged in and through a revelation of God's love. Principle number four, a perfect, or remember it speaks of mature, revelation of God's love affection casts out the fear of being judged and rejected. When we get a true revelation that God loves me, God loves me, it really causes um, our, our, our fear of rejection, it causes rejection issues to be dealt with. Because, boy, how many times do we respond in our lives because of rejection? Because we've been rejected. Or let me say this, or don't respond to things. The stimuli of the Holy Spirit is is here for us to respond and we don't respond because of rejection in our lives. And so a revelation of God's love deals with the rejection so you can respond to the stimuli of the Holy Spirit. Because he comes with his fullness to change and rearrange, to fix, to mend, to set things at right in your heart. But rejection keeps the work of the Holy Spirit at bay. Principle number five. 
He who fears has not been made perfect or mature in his revelation of God's love and God's grace. How important is it, and we talk about it all the time, to understand the love of God and the grace of God? How important is it? It's really important. Because when the rubber meets the road and you're believing, you're believing, you're believing, you're believing. How many are believing for something? Let me ask you this. Something that and you don't have to. I'm not going to make you say what it is. But you know what I'm talking about. That thing that you just wish you could get freed from. You wish that thing would change in your life. What about that thing that you wish would change in that other person? Come on. Can we be real? If they, if he, if she would just do this or stop doing this, then everything would be fine. What happens if it doesn't change? And God's response to you, we said this last week, is the same response that he had to Paul when he said, My grace is enough. Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that, that he was given a thorn in the flesh. A a messenger of Satan, the Bible tells us, sent to buffet him or to get him off track. And the Bible tells he prayed three times for this thing to be removed. Well, I can think of things that I've prayed for definitely more than three times. Three times he prayed, which means prayer number one, he didn't hear anything. Ever been there? Prayer number two, nothing changed, didn't hear a thing. Nothing from this loving, amazing God. And then the third time his response, I guarantee, was, well, I don't guarantee because he so knew God. It's not the response I would want. The third time he asks, he says, my grace is enough for you. What happens when that's God's answer to you in your situation? My grace is enough. The word grace in the Greek, it's charis. And it means this charis, charismatic. (laughs) Charis. It means this. It's actually where we get the word from. It means divine influence upon the heart. That's the definition. It's the divine influence upon the heart. His grace is his influence upon the heart. He says, my influence is enough for you. You, you're, you're influenced by someone that you're with a lot. Divine influence upon the heart, it's reflection in life, including gratitude. That's the definition of grace. It's his influence on the heart. It's his God ability inside of me. So... Paul's answer was, listen, I've put my ability inside of you to overcome. My grace is enough. My grace is enough. How important, to go back to my question, is it that we understand and we get this revelation of the grace of God? Because when you have a situation and circumstance where his response is, my grace is enough, you better get a revelation of the grace of God and walk in it. And understand his divine influence on your heart is enough. You can do this. You can overcome. Gratitude. The root of it 
the root word of grace. Here he is praying for something to be removed three times. And the root, the, the root definition is calmly happy. If I've asked three times for something I'm desperate to get rid of, the last thing I'm going to be is calmly happy. Amen. Which isn't right. <laughs> but His grace works in and through us the ability to be happy. See, we're talking about a mature revelation of the love of God. See, God is producing in us a maturity of sorts that we're able to not just get this revelation about the love, whether you've heard it for the last two, three, four years or not, that you're able to actually walk in this. A maturity in the grace of God will produce a calm, happy Inside of you, in the midst of whatever you're going through. How many of you have dealt with someone maybe out in the world or someone close to you or just someone that you rub shoulders with, maybe someone that you work with, God, if you would just change them. Anybody else? Any married couples, I'm just saying. I mean, all of us, you know. The, 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 the enemy would love to make you think, well, it's just you. You're an island. It's just you. You're the only one that's ever felt this way. You're the only one that's ever struggled with this. What happens? Do you know what? It's, C.S. Lewis said something pretty interesting, and I wrote this quote down. What can you ever really know of other people's souls? In the whole of creation, only one soul's fate is placed in your hands. And guess whose soul that is? It's my own. So where the grace of God is concerned, when God says concerning grace that I'm out there, I'm in in the workplace or whatever it is, I'm having a problem with someone, someone across the street, someone down the road, someone really close to me, and I have a problem with it, his response many times, if the situation doesn't change, his response is always the same because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His response to you, don't wait for it because it is his response, my grace is enough. And it's not the grace of God in that person you're dealing with. It's the grace of God concerning you, the one person that you need to deal with. Mike, well, God, your grace is enough, so deal with them with your grace. No, God's grace is to deal with you. You have a problem with someone, say, oh, God, get them. No, no, God, get me. It's true. It is true. Because when we walk in this maturity that John talks about concerning the love and the grace of God, it doesn't mean that things aren't going to happen. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get mad. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be human. But what it does mean is there's going to be this inward, deep down inside. Sometimes it's got to work its way up and come out of your mouth and come out of every part of who you are. But there's this deep, abiding grace, love, and peace in the midst of whatever is thrown at you. So if we are not, if I, I'll make it easier on you, if I am not operating this way, then there's a maturing that needs to take place in my life Concerning his love and his grace. 
If I'm constantly waiting for that person that I'm frustrated with to change, then I am immature. (laughs) I'm not just saying me for the sake of taking the heat off you. I'm genuinely saying me because I deal with stuff too. So we need a maturing in this revelation and this understanding of his grace and his love for us. Principle number six, we are transformed progressively, say progressively, by the revelation of God's love or affection. 1 John four nineteen says, we love him because, we can put this in there, we understand that he first loved us. We love him because we understand that he first loved us. We love him because we get the revelation that he first loved us. Excuse me. We love him because we understand that he first loved us. We enjoy or pursue Jesus because we understand that he first enjoyed and pursued you. I I understand the idea of I found God. But the ones that were lost is us. Really, God, you know, God's never been lost. A lot of times we're just hiding. But because he, I love that, he first enjoyed and pursued us. Whatever we encounter about God's heart, his passion for us, becomes awakened in our heart back to God. Someone said something once, that encounter results in transformation. We encounter God's presence and it results in transformation. What we understand as we get this revelation, as we pray, God, give us a revelation of your love, of your grace, um, about God's heart is essential to transforming our emotions, right? Because, boy, we're so emotionally driven. As soon as something clicks in me, one of those emotions, whether it's, it's, it's a, a, a anger or whether it's hurt or whatever it is, it triggers and it sends me down a path that's contrary to who I am. And so what happens is we get a revelation of God's love and it transforms our emotions, So that those emotions are no longer triggers to send you down that road that you have no business going down. That causes us to lash out. That causes us to be ugly. That causes us to be hateful. Something will happen. It's usually dealing with someone else or a situation that's out of our control. And and, and, an emotion, which is normal, right, will come out. But what's not okay and is not healthy is when that emotion that comes out, because anger is an emotion, right? Scripture tells us, in fact, he says, be angry and sin not. So these emotions are not bad. It's these emotions through immaturity or not understanding God's love that takes us down a path that we end up regretting, right? Oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Oh, I wish I wouldn't have reacted. I've been there. Wish I wouldn't have responded. Wish I wouldn't have done that. And so through a revelation of God's love, it's going to cause our response when those emotions come up. Here's the deal, folks. Let's just, let's just get to the point that, listen, we're immature in some areas. 
Can you put down any kind of facade or spiritual mask that you may have? Nothing to prove here. We are immature in some areas. And so we're going to be matured, right? We're going to do this together. We're going to walk down this road together. And we're going to mature in the revelation of God's love so that it will do in us what 1 John says it will do. It will mature us. It's essential to transforming our emotions. We change our mind. That's repentance. Please look that up. Please look at repentance. Please look that up yourself. If you don't have a concordance, get one. It's easy now. You can just get online and you can look it up. Repentance is summed up scripturally, not my opinion. What I've always been taught is changing your mind. It is. That's why in scripture, when, when people prayed, the Bible says that God repented. Have you ever read that before? Yes. Yes or no? Read it. If you haven't, Google it and read it. I want us to be on the same page. That doesn't mean that God got at the altar and started weeping and crying because he felt bad. No, his mind was changed. Our mind is changed and transformed by the truth and the reality of who we are and the truth and the reality of his word. That's true repentance. Now, it can produce, God, it does, there's godly sorrow involved. There is a, oh my God, I'm sorry. There is tears sometimes. There is crying. There's times on your knees. But that is not repentance. Repentance is changing your mind. Because where your mind goes, that's where the rest of your life is going to go. Do you understand that? What you think is what you're going to be. If you're constantly fed thoughts about something, then that's going to be produced in your life. It's, it's true, and you see it in children. You're no good, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good. What's produced? Someone goes through life with no good. You know, they, they're producing no good because they've always been told that they're no good because it was ingrained in them to think that way. So we change our mind, then God changes our hearts. We come to him in repentance. God, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm focusing, and, and changing of mind is a process. We change our mind, our understanding about God, then God changes our emotions. Or if we can say it this way, feel like God showed me something, it unlocks our hearts. Because I feel like what happens is with our minds, when our minds are made up, my mind is made up, it's always going to be this way. This is how it's going to be. My mind is made up. There's no, no room to budge. It's like your heart is locked. But when you say, God, I'm going to open my mind, I'm going to open to receive whatever you want. Whatever you want to change, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to rearrange, whatever you want to correct, whatever you want to make right, that unlocks the heart for the Spirit of God to move inside. And hear this, the, the work and the move of the Holy Spirit in an individual's life is an invasive work. It doesn't always feel good when Holy Spirit is moving inside of who you are. But, although it's invasive, it's always good and it's always beautiful and it's always because he loves you so much it's always to better you to benefit you to bless you any change that god brings is always to better you it's never to knock you down ever that's not him that's not his character and then god changes our emotions or unlocks our hearts Wrong understanding about God damages our hearts. 
Wrong understanding about God damages our hearts. Wrong ideas about God's personality leads to blocking our intimacy with him. Who wants to get close to an angry, vengeful God? There's a cowering. There's that fear that, that he talked about. He talked about love. Perfect love casts out fear. Right? Wrong ideas about God's personality leads to blocking our intimacy with him. God, we thank you so much today for your love. Thank you, God, that, that we, we want to mature, like John talked about. We want to mature, God, in this revelation and in this understanding. So I ask, God, that you strip away anything that we have used foundationally that's not been true, that's not been right, in our thinking, in our walking, in our precepts, in our understanding, God, that we allow you to just strip away what you want to strip away, God. God, that we would have minds that are open and hearts that are open to receive your truth. Thank you, God, today that your grace is enough for any situation.